Previously on Conspire Theory. What do you expect for Incredibles 2? Ooh, good one. Good one. I like that. Because I, I want to hear what you think before I go into my rant. Okay, well, have you seen the trailers? Yes, I've seen the full, okay. I've seen the trailer. I'm not, I'm really not sure what to expect. I mean, obviously we're fast forwarding a little bit to where they're back in business, I guess, or, you know, whatnot. And the kid, you know, they obviously didn't know the kid had powers at the end of the first one because, you know, they're up in the air by the airplane and you couldn't really, you know, they couldn't see what was going on. I don't know. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm be interested to see what you find wrong, you know, with the whole business. To me, it looks like a complete retread of the first plot. It takes place, you know, exactly right after the, the, after they fight the underminer or, or they start to fight the underminer. That's probably going to be the first five minutes of the movie is them fighting underminer and this whole fighting as a family stuff completely thrown out the window. They, they tell the kids, you know, stay here. You know, even though we fought as a family and won five minutes ago, we're going to tell you to stay here and do nothing while me and your mom and Frozone fight. Well, to, to be fair, I mean, they don't know the kid has powers. No, they know he has powers. No, they don't. Yes, they do. No. How do they know? And, you know, the mom and dad, they go and they, they go, they do their thing. All right. Save the day. And then it looks like the rest of the movie is going to be, you know, them coping with life, of course. And then it seems like a, a Justin Hammer type, uh, which is a Marvel reference. A pseudo Tony Stark. Again, another Marvel reference. <laughs> okay. I know who Tony Stark is. Give me at least that much. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Come on. You're the DC guy. I, I got to recall Elastigirl back into action. And basically, uh, Mr. Incredible, you know, to support his wife, stays home with the child. Kind of doing the Mr. Mom thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, you know, an extra dash of comedy because of the, you know, the kid's superpowers. Yeah, yeah. And um, so, where, so where's the problem? Well, the problem is, is that it's just, it's a wash and repeat of the first plot where the dad tries to regain his former glory by doing his superheroing and stuff. Except this time we're doing a role reversal, where instead it's the mom doing exactly what the father was doing in the first movie. Yeah, but she, yeah, but uh, I, I just don't see it because she's really not interested in reliving the glory days. Her thing is she wanted permission. You know, she in the first movie she says, you know, nobody asked us to do this, to be superheroes. No, wait, that's Frozone. Uh, well, no, I think she says it too. I know Frozone definitely make kind of makes that point because uh, we're, when they're in the car uh, listening to the scanner, you know, and he says, "You want permission to do this?" Like, yeah, I might like to have permission, you know, or how, or how about you know, let's just go bowling. So, yeah, I, I think I think she's doing it out of a sense of duty, you know. And I don't know, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe she, you know, she's going to get into it and you know, be like, "Oh my goodness, this is you know, like back in the day or whatever, whatever." Yeah, yeah, because I expect so. her to to. It just it that's what it looks like from what we've seen. Uh, it looks like a retread of the first plot with the role reversal and the Jack Jack comedy with the Mister Mom stuff. That's probably going to take a large bulk of the thing because you don't. I so far I haven't seen any new action of the kids doing anything unless it's in the home. And you know I just uh, Let, let's just cut to the yeah. point. You want the Fantastic Four exactly. You know, you, I, you want all of the whole family, you know, battling Dr. Doom or whatever, whatever. Yeah, exactly. I, and now given that this is, you know, just the, the first trailer and they, maybe they haven't shown us the rest of the movie. Well, the if they're smart, 20. they haven't shown us the rest yeah. of the movie. So maybe, yeah, maybe I, this is, this could be just the first 20. But from what I've seen, you know, I, from what you're guessing at. Yeah. From what I, from what I can gather. You're wrong. <laughs> from what I can gather. Wrong. It's, it's not selling me. See, if I was putting this on YouTube, I would put the picture of Luthor, you know, screaming, wrong! <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, because, I, I mean, yeah, I love the character of of the mom, Helen Parr. Yeah, because, of course, you know, MILF, obvious reasons. Quote, unquote, MILF. That got weird quickly. I know, I got the I got the little figurine on the fucking uh, Infinity On your figures. shelf, yeah. Yeah, I have her figurine on my shelf. Yeah, from what I've seen, yeah, I would love to see Helen Parr take front and center in this film. Yeah, I would love to see that. I can't wait to see that. But I'm afraid of that they're going to under... I mean, so far, it looks like they're going to just undersell the character, and she's just, you know, retreading previous turn. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Cause, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we will see. Because to me, to me, the conflict is going to kind of be the working mom thing. 
Yeah. Because she's going to be doing, she's going to be out doing the superhero thing. Dad's going to be at home with the, with the baby, you know, and eventually it's going to be like kind of that whole work life balancing or whatever, whatever. That's my wild guess, but I'm, I'm optimistic. Yeah. Yeah. You're pessimistic. Exactly. In your old age. Yeah. And now for the conclusion. I'm a sexy beast. Oh boy. Hey kids, welcome back to another exciting episode of Conspire a Theory. Today we are doing a movie review of The Incredibles. We said we'd be back and we are. And you don't have to wait 14 years for us. It's me and Eduardo Solis. Howdy folks. We are back and we're bigger and badder than ever for our follow-up episode of The Incredibles Review. Incredibles 2, Superhero Boogaloo. Yep, yep. Now, before we start off on The Incredibles, I want to talk a bit about the, uh, as like with every single Disney Pixar-ish type of film, they always start up with, I guess, short. the short, the short. And some are really good, and this one was, uh, it was weird. It was it was a film called Bao, and if you've seen it, um, it's... Well, I think I think we should start off by obviously spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. You know, if you've not seen Bao or The Incredibles two, then yeah, and and if you've you seen know. The Incredibles without seeing Bao, I kind of envy you because oh, this for is Pete's sake. <laughs> this is a, this was I I could have gone without oh. this one. It was I I uh, I got it. I no, I, you didn't get it until I no, explained I it to you. I didn't need it. That's the thing. I didn't oh, okay. need it. Like, you I didn't, didn't need the feels. No, I, I got you. No, I it's 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 um, okay. So basically, Bao was the story. Uh, just a refresher. Uh, a mom is making some um, dumplings. Dumplings, and one of them comes to life, and then it's her, and the dumpling is her little, her little man, her little baby, and it's like heartwarming childhood tribulation. And then over time, the dumpling grows up, and he goes on his own. He's about to leave, leave, and start his own life, fly away from the nest, and she does not well, want to let go. Well, with another woman, that's kind of the to me that's the kicker, is that not only is he leaving, but you know he found another girl. Yeah, he's he's ready to, to sow his roots and, and yeah, he put a ring on it roots. and yeah, he, you know, he's taken off. He's he's become a man technically. He's ready to to start his life. He doesn't you know he doesn't need his mom anymore. And then she of course gobbles him up in an act of desperation because she just does not want to let him go. Mm-hmm. And then we get into later that that short was a metaphor for the relationship that she had with her son and then they come back and they you know they eat and they cry and they, yeah those you know i could have i like that part it, it, it was nice it was like where they they were sharing food but for me it was you know it, it, okay <laughs> it was just okay i i the punch got me but the build-up was you know meh i thought it was cute and yeah I'm not going to lie. I did kind of scratch my head for a little bit. Yes. At the, you know, because it's funny because, I mean, she just horks him down. <laughs> just shoves the whole dumpling in her mouth and just boom, just swallows him whole. You know, and you you see, her, you know, just the horrified look on her face. And I'm pretty sure most of the folks in the movie theater were also, I know I certainly was like, oh my God, he just ate him. But then you see the actual, you know, the boy, son. The boy, the son. The yeah. actual son is like, oh, okay. And, and when I saw that and kind of put two and two together... And they kind of tried to, I guess, explain it because you see a silhouette, a shadow that looks like, you know, the dumpling, the shape of the head and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, it's the sun. Yeah, what I liked was that the dad, you know, he yes. he brought him in and because throughout the, the, the picture, it's just the mom and her boy. Yeah, and, we, yeah, we only see the dad like twice. Yeah. At the very and, start when they're having dinner. And then the dad, you know, he's like. Or, you know, you know, he's saying, "Talk to your mom." Yeah, you he, yeah, he shoves him into the the bedroom. Yeah, when he when he comes home after the fact. Yeah, he does that whole you just, know, uh, talk to your mom. You know, because that's just a typical dad thing to do, and it it was very sweet. It was very heart touching. Aside from getting the whole uh, feels and the metaphor and stuff, the jokes that we like to joke at projects like, "Oh no, she ate him up for da- daring to date a white woman." <laughs> oh. <laughs> You had to go there. <laughs> yes. you had to go there. But but other than that, you're you know, not wrong. But I mean, you not, I mean had to go there. it's 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 cute for what it is. It's very very cute. And yeah, but you know, it, it was just okay. I, I I like I said, I, I didn't need it to enjoy the movie. Uh, any final thoughts on Bell? No, just I, I found it amusing because I've read reports where it didn't quite go as well with audiences. 
particularly, and we have to go here, particularly white folks and folk in particular did not get it. Were totally like weirded out by it. They didn't. The, the metaphor kind of flew over their heads. Yeah, I can see that. You know, and so, but like I said, just that particular group kind of just weirded out over it. Yeah, which yeah, I thought I was mean, amusing. Well, I mean, from to be fair, but you know, the Asian cultures in general are just so radically different from ours. Yeah, that and it's kind of like well, growing up in a mostly Hispanic household. Food is a ritual in the house mm. and getting dinner together and stuff. The mom's a head chef. The mom is in charge. She is the matriarch. It's sort of a it, getting together and, and eating together. That's just part of the family. That's that's how you keep the family together. And one of the scenes that I noticed was in an effort to win her some back, she prepared this huge, beautiful meal and he instead went to go hang out with his butt. Yeah. Yeah. And then she like angrily just ate it all up, you know, just gobbled it up in, in sheer anger but that yeah. was that in yeah that's because that's, that's a total mom thing to do. yeah mom yeah doesn't that's, want food to go to waste it's it's like know? a parallel like like experience in in hispanic cultures or in my case semi-hispanic cultures <laughs> but um hmm. yeah it was cute and i got it i got the metaphor i just eh, okay didn't wow me you know, and I don't know. I guess I'm kind well, of. A, it was a cute little thing. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was cute little. Maybe a little too little for me. Speaking of little and cute, mm-hmm. one of the trailers really stuck out to me during the 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 opening of when when I'm waiting for everything to start up. Mm-hmm. And one of the trailers that I'm really excited for is the Christopher Robin movie mm-hmm. with Ewan McGregor. It's good to see him in films again. Even though he's not Obi-Wan anymore, and from the looks of things, he's not going to be Obi-Wan again, or at least maybe not for a while. But it's good to see him playing, a, playing. he's playing an adult Christopher Robin, and I don't know what it is, but something about the relationship between him and Pooh the Bear, it's like everything coming out of Pooh's mouth was profound and clever. It was just, it looked like it would be a really, really well-written movie. Yeah, I'm intrigued by it, too. I mean, I, I thought the, the trailers, you know, what they've released so far have just been really sweet and really... But at the same time, it's kind of like, you kind of get the story, but not really. Yeah. You know, because, you know, apparently, you know, of course, you know, as a child, you know, he grew up with these, you know, characters in his imagination, all that good stuff. Time goes on, you know, and you grow up and you abandon, you know, those types of things. And then at some point in the future... Who comes back? Yeah, he gets dragged back into it. He gets dragged back into the Hundred Acre Woods. And I remember when he's trying to crawl through the door, of course, it's much smaller now than when he was a child. Mm-hmm. And I like it how Pooh is like, he gets stuck. And Pooh says, have you eaten a lot of honey? It's like, no, I have not eaten honey. And it just everything. I mean, just, well, and I his- don't know who did the writing, but every single word out of Pooh's mouth is clever as F. Well, a lot of it, I think, is not even like new stuff to me. Yeah. To me, it sounds like it's straight out of the storybooks. Yeah, it, it's you know things that he said in you know this story or that story or you know what have you. And going back into things we like, I I loved his um you know Christopher Robin's response when he gets stuck in the uh, in the door because mm-hmm. it's kind of like he's going through the motions. It's like oh no, not you know oh my, I, look at me, I'm stuck. You know, just, just the way he says it, it's like going through the motions again. Of, yeah, yeah. Of, of that. I, yeah, it's like, it's like we, we've, we've been there, we've done that, and yeah, it's it, familiar it, it's, territory. It's one of those right? check boxes that we have to check. Yeah, yeah. And, or, and or I like, and they had, um, was it the, who plays his wife? I forget the name, uh, but she, she played, she was in, uh, she played Captain America's love interest in the Marvel films. And it's good to see her get work again. Of course, now it's like she's again in another uh, 40s-ish period piece. I guess they just can't keep her out of that decade. <laughs> mm. she, she always plays love interest in the 40s. <laughs> Captain who? Ah, uh, don't go there. <laughs> yeah, um, Weisenheimer. Well, you see, Iron Man is uh, this rich guy. It's like, I know who Cotton Pick and Iron Man is. <laughs> we, we, had, we both re-listened to the last episode, and it yeah, was like, yeah. I can't believe you tried to mansplain freaking Captain or Iron Man to me. Yeah. So I got a pokey on that. Okay, so the guy who's the equivalent of the shield is... <laughs> okay, I won't do it again. America. Okay, America, man. That's, <laughs> that's who he is. Uh but yeah. yeah, but no, I mean, uh, I don't know that I'll go, I don't know that I'll watch in the theater, but Christopher Robin just, you know, seems like a, a good 
cute family film, you know, much like, you know, Paddington. And I still haven't seen the second one. No, the second yeah. one is fantastic. Okay. But, you know, I think it'll be a, I think it'll be a good movie. It was, remains to see, like, how well it does. It granted the, uh, the Hundred Acre Wood folks are, you know, CG and whatnot. But I don't know. I'm just curious to see whether, you know, how well it captures the imagination of people, of kids in these modern times. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be a lot of parents dragging their kids to see the movie. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure parents are going to be dragging their kids. And I'm sure a lot of the parents, well, the older parents, they're going to probably get it. The middle, the middle millennials, they may not know, but I'm pretty sure they're familiar. They, they group. I mean, it's Disney for crying out loud. They've put out poo merch like forever. And he's a, he's a household name. He's a main staple of our American culture. So I, I think it'll do well. Not like super duper summer blockbuster, but right. well. Yeah. I'll go with that. Yeah. I'll at least see it in the theater once. Okay. Now let's get on to da 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 da. The incredible two. Two. You keep forgetting the two. The it, I well, it's the same movie. Wrong. <laughs> Practically the same movie. We'll debate Wrong. on this now. A few of the talking points. There was like five talking points. Well, we made a lot of guesses based on the trailer. Yeah, based on the trailer. On, on what ninety seconds of <laughs> film? Yeah, and one was well. You you wrote down five. Well, there are five points that you made and three points that I made. One was, uh, I said it was a retread of the movie. You uh-huh. disagree. I disagree. I believe it is, and I will explain. Uh, number two, uh, it takes place right after the movie. Mm-hmm. And it continues, can, you know, chronologically, like, throughout. It, yeah, literally. Like yeah, that. there's no skip. Exactly. There's no skip, like, because I thought that, that they would, like, you know, do, you know, do the underminer action scene, then skip five years later. No, no. And then the third one I put down, Jack-Jack's superpowers. Is the parents you, discovering. You thought, you thought they were already aware of it. At yeah, the, I thought they were already aware. I was wrong. Dead wrong. Totally wrong. Yeah. Completely wrong. That, that, wrong, that's, wrong. That's probably the, the best thing that I was wrong at. If if <laughs> Nice save. And then the... Almost. The fourth point I put down was uh, Mr. Incredible being Mr. Mom. I was right in that. And then number five is Winston is Iron Man. Yeah, yeah, we sort of discussed it. Three out of five ain't bad. Yeah, I'll I'll concede that point. What I said was that the movie was going to focus on the superheroes being able to superhero again, which was incorrect because it's actually, they're trying to make superheroes legal again. You know, by Mrs. In- by Elastigirl doing illegal superhero activity to sway public interest by showing their side of the story and all that fun stuff. Um, I also thought that Elastigirl was doing it, and here's where this kind of goes into my point about how it's not a retread of the first movie because the first movie was Mr. Incredible trying to be Mr. Incredible again after yes. the fact. But Elastigirl's motivations are different. She's doing it for her family now. She discovers that, you know, she rediscovers the love for hero work. The love of the game. Because when, you know, because she calls Mr. Incredible, you know, after saving the train or whatnot. And, you know, she just goes gaga and is just, you know, screaming. Oh, my God. It was was so awesome. And and this and that. But like I said, her motivations are they need a job. You know, somebody has to work to support the family. And it's going to have to be her because they don't want Mr. Incredible smashing up the place and costing you know, the government and whatever, yeah, whatever yeah, they, thousands of dollars. There are two characters, Winston and Evelyn Dever. They are the children of wealthy entrepreneurs who loved heroes. Okay, how can I best explain? Okay, so, yeah, like we said, spoilers, it's kind of revealed that Evelyn Dever is the big bad. Mm-hmm. And I got to admit, she is by far my favorite villain. And mm. I, I kind of, here's here's what I want to point out when, when I first, on my first viewing, I thought that Evelyn and Winston were the parents. I thought that the, the the two parents, that they weren't the kids, they were just the parents, and somehow they had some kind of machine or something where they would drain the life force from supers and rejuvenate themselves. Oh, my God. No, that's what I thought. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I thought would happen, would be that they would, because well, they're well, rich, they have the- superpower stuff, right. they have high technology, it's not right. that far of a leap. To be to supervillain, yeah, villain. that that they would both be supervillains. Wow, that's just totally overthinking it. Yeah, I know, it's right? All, it's all those Marvel comics. I know, I know. I thought rot, that rot, rot your brain. I thought that they were going to <laughs> take them 
and like get more supers or, or take the family and juice them. Maybe this is from like, maybe I, I've been having too much dark crystal, but <laughs> that's what I thought that would happen. I thought that they, because let's face it, uh, the parents was, you know, a man and a woman and then the, the daughter and daughter and son, again, man and a woman, they fought like a married couple, you mm. know, but they were, that's just, that's just sibling. It's just sibling yeah, rivalry. That's your typical. Yeah, and, exactly. And, you know, cause I thought that that was, you know, I, I, Thought that it was going to turn out that they were the parents, that they were juicing supers. But that was wrong. And Well, my thing was, you know, you get to a certain point and it's like, I had a feeling it was an inside job. Yeah. I, I didn't peg that it was, whether it was the brother or sister or whatnot, or maybe it was going to be, you know, disgruntled employee or whatever. But my, when, when you get to a certain point, it's like, okay, this is an, in, this is an inside job. Somebody in DevTech, which is the name of their uh, big giant company, is doing this. So... The signs are there. Yeah, and and in Fight Club style, you watch it a second time, you can pretty much see everything. Like the parallels between Evelyn and Syndrome. Let's see, they're both, you know, inventors. They're both super geniuses. Mm-hmm. Apparently, in this world, uh, super intelligence and villainy go hand in hand. It's like very hard to have one without the other. Either you're gifted with mm-hmm. godlike powers or you're super smart. And if you're super smart, you're bad because you hate those with godlike powers. With one exception. What's that? Edna. Okay, that's good. That's a good one. I'll yeah. give you that one. That's See? a good one. Because, you know, she... Well, she worships her, them. Yeah, her, yeah. her thing was... I totally did not expect the... Um, I, I expected her to, okay, I'll take care of Jack-Jack, but, I'll, you know, kicking and screaming, you know. I'm, I'm, you know, you're going to owe me for this, Bob. I'll take care of your kid, but, you know, I really don't want to, whatever, whatever. But And it seemed to be going that route. But as soon as she pegs that the kid has powers, when Jack Jack transforms into her, she's yeah, like, the, I, "I want this kid." Yeah. Well, at at first she's very you know reluctant. She has like no maternal compass or anything. Yeah, and she she even, doesn't even know how to hold the child. Yeah, and she says as much. Yeah. And then by the time they come back, you know, she's Auntie Edna, or at the when, when she when le- she when kicks him out, she's Auntie Edna, and. And that that was that was cute. That was cute. But but back to my point, comparing uh, Syndrome and Evelyn. Mm-hmm. Also, they both yeah, like I said, they're smart. Super intelligent. And also, super they evil. have a black and white color scheme. Okay. Yeah, you can kind of see it when you do the second viewing. You can see that Evelyn was sort of her wardrobe, a little gothy, was I very guess. static, mm. like not static, like like you know uh, everything's the same. I mean, static is an actual screen static that you see on a screen because uh, okay. she would have pants and stuff that see, had I pa- static patterns on them yeah I, I, I wouldn't notice that yeah, because and, i'm not an artist yeah and she i mean and when, she, you, and when you said static i thought it was some like weirdo artist term that you were going to explain yeah, or whatever one of her one of her her outfits she was wearing a dress and it was you know black and white pretty much the same color scheme as syndrome hmm, exactly and you know she always had I mean, they, they dressed her warmly, like she would wear like a sweater, and it was a white sweater with black pants. You wouldn't think of it. Like, yeah, she's still dressed like a bright or what would be a colorful person. She just, she, her color palette was always black and white. Well, I guess the best way to explain it, and this is where my experience comes in, is it was very businesslike. Yes, it you was know, very business professional. You know, it was, you know, dark, dark colors, grays, whites. My job asked me to come, you know, dress, you know, professionally. You know, that's probably similar to what I would wear. Yeah. And and what I liked about Evelyn is, again, she wanted to destroy all supers. Well, we were never given Syndrome's name. Uh, Mr. Incredible calls him Buddy. But he, he wants to destroy Mr. Incredible. And he wants to be a super. Well, and, he wants to be the only super. Yeah, the only super. And to give everybody else, you know, when he, and he said, when, when I've had my fun, I'll... Sell my technology so everybody can be a superhero. Yeah, and then when everybody's super. You know, nobody, yeah, everybody's special, nobody really is. Yes, exactly, like Dash had said. It's just, with Evelyn, she blamed supers indirectly. Mm-hmm. And it was like her father's reluctance to uh, act self-preservationly rather than, you know. What well, is dependence on the heroes? Yeah, he, he was dependent on heroes. Because what had happened, they argued with it, like, in their first meeting, and I liked that. That was a good nod. That was a good, you know, uh, what do you call like Pavlov's gun or something where they Chekhov's gun. Chekhov's gun, where where they put it out there that hey, you know, 
this is this is an important plot point. When they first meet, when the old crew gets together and they head up to Stark Towers, I mean uh, Denver uh, Inc., and they go up there and they, you know, they get into a, a fight, like a little tissle immediately. And, and you can see the resentment that she has there, although she does a great job of hiding it. And she helps them and she always looks tired. <laughs> I guess she was designed that way because she's like super villaining, villaining on the side as she's helping the supers. Well, have you seen the picture? Somebody made an observation that uh, Evelyn was very, looks very similar to, uh, and I forget the character's name, but the the gal the gal reporter from Megamind. Yeah, I've I've heard that. I've seen that parallel. They, put, I mean, but, but just sheer, purely in terms of appearance. Yeah, I mean, even though they're two completely different properties. In and, head and, and studios and yada yada, yeah. Yeah, in headcanon, you know, she's disgruntled. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a heck of a coincidence, so. Yeah, yeah. Let, let the bad fan fiction begin. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Another, th- another point that I put out, this felt like, you know how we get, like, sequel uh, fatigue? And with, like, we don't even get sequels anymore. It's just regurgitations. Right. Yeah. In this one, it felt like a real part two. It felt like a continuation of the story. Well, it was a continuation. Yeah, exactly. It, Literally. Yeah, it was a literal continuation of the first film. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like a, like a, we're bringing everybody back from wherever they, they've been from all across the globe. It felt like we're picking up where we left off, and I like that. It felt like a true part two. Instead of a rehash sequel, nothing was rehashed, nothing was redone. They upgraded the characters a bit as far as stylistic. I well, mean, well, they kind of have to. I mean, the, the tech has gotten, yeah, you know, yeah, 14 the tech, years. Yeah, you the, know, the movies look a little bit better now. Yeah, the, the tech got way better. It looks fantastic. And they, yeah, they, they upgraded it, but it, it felt like a true continuation part two. I like that. Kind of going into the style thing, I thought most of the characters looked pretty cool. The um, They seemed to fit in. The only kind of exception, the one that kind of threw me a little bit, was Reflux. To me, the, oh, the, yeah. to me it felt like they kind of did the the, uh, the Aunt May thing where, you know, back in the day, they always drew Aunt May like she was like 300 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so she always looked a little bit out of place. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. To me, that I think they like overaged. I mean, I get it. He's supposed to be an old guy or whatever, whatever but he kind of, I don't know. To me, he looked a little out of place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he looked a from little... A, from a visual standpoint. Yeah. And and very clever inserting the line in the last show. that that Because I didn't realize it because I hadn't seen it when you when you said, uh, well, I don't well, think, I don't know if you said well, this. I, I, I you... hadn't seen it either. Really? But, no, I hadn't seen it. Yeah, you yeah. have. No, well, we, no, we, we when, were talking about the previews. Oh, no, my bad. This is on chat. Okay. <laughs> when, you, when you said, uh, you know, reflux, you know, superpower or medical condition, you decide. <laughs> and I see the movie. It's like, oh, okay. That was the guy. That was the line from the movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. One of, one of the things that I kind of felt that was going to bug me was pandering. That this movie was going to pander, you know, the pro-feminist, you know, she was going to be, oh, that boy. Helen Parr was going to be a huge feminazi. And in the first 15 minutes or the first five minutes of them going to uh to the denver complex i mean yeah there was a few times where helen looked over and nodded to to evelyn a bit too much they emphasized that a bit too much but i was like oh i was like oh come on but then they that that ironed out well they they addressed it yeah you know because she had because uh, elastigirl and evelyn you know have that conversation Yes. You know, because she asks her, okay, well, how do you address blah, 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 blah? And it's like, well, which side of me do you want the answer? Do you want the, golly, I forget the line. I, see, I think she said the salesman or the artist. Something like that. Like, it was, yeah. But, but they, like I said, they addressed it head on. Yeah. Because let's be honest, the, the time, the the vibe I get from the show, at least, is that it's like, it's like or movie rather, is that it's uh, like 1960s era. Yeah, yeah. You know, just a little bit past that 1950s you know, st- from a stylistic and visual standpoint, you know. And so, you know, for what it's worth. So I definitely dug it in terms of the visuals and how everything looked. And, you know, like I said, I just like that feel to it. More women in the workplace type of thing or whatever. Well, I mean, because it's a fair question, you know. you know, why, why is she, why is Evelyn content to be the number two to when her brother's in, in charge of the whole thing and she's the inventor or whatnot? Yeah, where she's obviously the smarter one. Or the more capable one. Mm-hmm. They sort of like her and her brother sort of have this symbiotic relationship. 
Well, I would I would compare it to uh, Steve Jobs and uh, Steve Wozniak, the Apple guys. Mm. You know, because Wozniak was a technical guy. Yeah. You know, he did all the design and he, you know, did all the heavy lifting. Whereas Jobs was the salesman and also the idea man. Okay. I can see that. I can definitely see that parallel there. Um, another thing. So what else you got? Yeah. Yeah. And, and as far as that whole, you know, 60s pandering and stuff. Yeah. They, they did it. They had that conversation. But what I liked was even though it was sort of pandery, they soothed it out. They made it. But it didn't beat you yeah, over the head with it. it. It hit me at the at the beginning. It's like, okay, Helen, you're nodding at her too often for too too long. You know, it it, do, it didn't feel organic. And then as the relationship went and the conversations went, it it soothed it out. It smoothed out, and I it felt more natural. Hmm. And and that that I liked. I enjoyed that very much. Also, let, let's get back to the beginning. Where we were talking about, like, right after, like, out. And another thing I was afraid of was the kids getting sidelined during the fight with right. the underminer. And that, another thing I was wrong. I expected them to be sidelined. I expected it to be just mom and Mr. Incredible fighting and doing their stuff. Mm-hmm. But the entire family got involved. And it was, you know, it was comical. It was good. Well, it, despite their best efforts. Yeah. Because you know, mom and dad didn't want them to get involved. It's like, you know, watch the kid. Dad and mom got to work. Yeah. But they want to help. You know, they, they've just discovered that, you know, they, they have these powers and, and suits and yada, yada. It's like, you know, we want to use them. You know, we want to, we want to take, yeah, we want to help out. Meet, yeah. Help out. And, 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 you know, that's sort of what they're born to do in this world. And to see that, to see them fight as a family, like I, I wasn't expecting that, mm-hmm. but they did it so well. I loved it. And, so you got your Fantastic Four yeah. after all. <laughs> yes, I, I certainly did. See, and the kid and the baby has flame power, so there you go. Yeah, and during this time, <laughs> you know, Jack-Jack wasn't using his powers at all. So, so again, they, they kept the veil until it was appropriate. And The, the fight between Jack-Jack and the raccoon was the best. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my, that was hilarious. Yeah. And, and one thing, if, if I'm jumping around here a bit, is the part getting back to that sort of like, I liked it where they were, they, they, they were at the bottom of they hit rock bottom. Yeah. The program had been pulled. Everything is gone. Yeah, Decker can't help him anymore. Yeah, Decker's gone. And two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. Mr. Incredible. Bob, he's like, you know, I could go back into insurance. I could do that. And then Helen's like, you know, maybe I should go into the private sector. Maybe I should because she's already thinking about stepping up or or she's already thinking about stepping out into the workforce. It's just it's then and then Frozone comes up and says, hey, this guy approached me, hero stuff. Let's just hear them out. And that's where she goes into, instead of the private sector, she goes into the the hero stuff. She basically, mm-hmm. and this is where I say there's a parallel. She goes into heroing. She does it sort of, you know, sleight of hand a bit, you know, under, under, you know, under the radar. And when they're, when they're having the talk about it, you know, when they come back, I like how she says it, how, you know, they put this in the trailer. You know, it's like, to protect my family, I have to leave them. To uphold the law, I have to break it. You know, it puts her in a tight spot. And where I saw the parallel between the old plot is Mr. Incredible goes to the jungle to discover himself, to rediscover his superhero, right. his superhero self. In this one, Helen goes to the city. To rediscover, she goes to a concrete jungle. I was waiting for this to yeah. rediscover herself, and it was one of the pivotal scenes. She's listening to the police scanner, and she makes a reference to the prior movie where yeah, my, my husband used to listen. I used to get up mad at him. Yeah, can't we just scanner. go bowling? <laughs> that scene, I love that scene so much, and she totally acknowledged. That she was a hypocrite. And I love how they just go to the the most crime-ridden city, you know. Yeah, the and, worst part of town, but nothing's happening. And Winston is all excited. You know, he's he's happy as heck. It's like, it's a, it's a superhero playground. Yes. <laughs> and and that, that is so cool. And Yeah, his excitement when it's like, you know, oh, my God, there's there's a credible threat to the new yeah. you know, levitating train. Yeah. Like, yes. Something, but, you know. Yeah, that's why I thought maybe he's... Maybe he's in on it. That's why I, mm. I was suspecting him as being. Um, I can see that. I didn't know at the time they didn't show Screenslaver, right? But I thought they were planting a seed that maybe he was a bit crooked. 
Yeah, he, the, the mastermind. Yeah, yeah, because you know he, he's got a bigger plan in yeah, mind that we're that not aware of. Yeah, that he's another syn- syndrome. That he's a syndrome in waiting. He's lulling them into a false sense of security so he can trap them at the end and you know suck their life energy or brain juice or whatever. Yeah, you're, you're steal tearing. their youth. There you go. Steal their vitality. Brain juice. Mm. Yeah, but I what I ultimately describe this movie as it's more of the same, but not necessarily a bad thing. They did a clever thing with it. I I really I I love this more than the first one, mm-hmm. and I really, I've been hearing a lot. I've been hearing that a lot. Yeah, from I really like the first one. Yeah, and I really can't you know compare them because they're they're I mean they're they're the same thing, but they're not the same thing. Well, one was essentially the origin story. Exactly. You know, and so that's always going to carry a certain level of baggage. It's always going to be slower at the start. Yeah, we have to you know, be introduced to you the have characters. to establish everybody. Exactly. We got these characters have to be established. And this one, they're established. We know who they are. We know what they do. That we know what they love. And we just we let the characters, we let the story evolve. We we let the characters be the characters. And that I wanted to see that. I, I definitely want to see. And I got that, Mister Mom. Let's discuss. Bob doing Mr. Mom before we go into Helen. Cause I want, I want to, I got a lot to say about Helen, but I want to save oh, that. Boy. Let's go. <laughs> Let, let's go into, to Bob. His arc is he's now the stay at home dad. And I thought that was going to suck. I thought I was going to hate it, but I liked it. Yeah. So, it was very well done. Yeah. It, they, they did it well. Well, here, well here's the thing. They, they didn't make the mistake of making him completely inept. Yeah. It's kind of like if you compare modern, home, current Homer Simpson to like season one or two or three Homer Simpson, mm-hmm. you know, because these days he's just a bumbling idiot. Back then he would try, but just kind of goof up in the execution. Yeah. You know, like, uh, you know, Bart gets in a fight, comes home crying. Dad, you know, Homer's like, oh, you know, let me dry your tears, son. He gets a hairdryer. And blast him in the face <laughs> with it to dry his tears. You know, he, he's his heart's in the right place, but he's just blowing it in the execution. That was kind of like Bob's thing. He, yeah, he's got a pretty good idea of what he needs to do. You know, he's trying as hard as he can, but he's he's out of his element. Yeah, you yeah. Know, he, you know, he doesn't know new math. Yeah, and I liked it when you know, and he needs help, so he goes to Edna. To he he to, eventually goes to Edna. Yeah, he eventually goes to Edna because he needs a little bit of help, and he doesn't want Helen to know. Because you know he, she's well, doing pride. her thing. It, it, yeah, it, it, it's part pride. of it is pride, and part of it is she's doing her thing. And you know, he says, and you know, when they're in the bed, you know, you you go and you do this so I can do it better. She's <laughs> she's working. She's doing something very important, very important to him as well. And he doesn't want to take away her focus from that because if if well, if he, he drops the ball, well, he sees the end game. Yeah, the end game is I get to be Mister Incredible again. Yeah, yeah, you know. When he finally sets things up, he finally gets some help. He finally gets some support. He then he like takes a seventeen hour nap. <laughs> Him and Violet have this 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 touching scene where he says, "You know, I'm I'm not Mister Good Enough. I don't want to be Mister Good Enough. I, I, I'm Mister Incredible. I do everything. Everything has to be the best, top notch type of thing. What they need is sort of they need him to be. You know, it's okay if he's just good enough. He doesn't have to. Not everything has to be flying colors." Mm-hmm. Is it that he can do good enough? Because he tries. Another thing that I like is the um, Violet and Dash have their own little arcs in this. And it's a way, and they connect with Dad. And Dad tries to, he tries to figure stuff out. Mm-hmm. And and he fails, and, but he tries. And, and eventually stuff gets together. Like, say, for example, uh, Dash and the Incredicar arc. You know, that, that, was, was, that was pretty cool. And then Violet with the Tony drama. That was hilarious. Yeah, that gets into some of your some of the little discussions we've had about the whole mind wipe thing. The I Violet, renounce superheroes. Violet, I like what they did with Violet too. They flesh her out more as a character because in the last ones, you know, she was again she was a shrinking Violet. She was a wallflower. Mm-hmm. You know, she was basically a background character. She she was learning to come into her own, and in this one, you know, she's out there. I love it when when. Uh, when Mr. Incredible, you know, when Bob, he, he, he accidentally lets it drop that he had Decker wipe Tony. Mm. And then, and then he closes the door and Violet's there and she's angry. She has her angry face on. She's like, you had Decker wipe Tony? He erased all of me from him. Cause she had finally gotten the courage to ask the boy out 
And we were going to go see a movie. Yeah. And life was going to be perfect. And, you know. And he forgot. Or better, he didn't forget. It was erased. Yep. <laughs> and uh, It's an unexact science. Yeah. And she. Of course, the giant plunger to the forehead is probably the first sign that it's an inexact science. Yeah. And, and to get that, you would have had to have seen the, the Jack-Jack short where they had the Kimmy. The babysitter. The babysitter. I, I you know, I got to admit, I, I was praying that they would bring her back. That would have been funny. That might have been cool. That would have been great because she would have, I mean, even though she was erased, unfortunately, she knew how to handle Jack-Jack and she's a regular person. Okay, so he does all this Mr. Mom stuff, and one of the scenes that I that I did you notice this was the poltergeist scene. Mm, I think that skipped me. Well, there was a scene um, where Jack Jack goes into the dimension, and he has the cookie. He's like Jack Jack cookie cookie, right? And that's a that's a tribute to uh, Craig T. Nelson's performance in Poltergeist. Oh, see, yeah, because that's way in, beyond me. yeah, in the Poltergeist movie, you know, he's the dad in that one. You know, it's mm. Craig T. Nelson. One of his kids gets sucked into the the alternate dimension, and you can hear the echoes through the house, like they did in J- with Jack Jack. And you know he's trying to talk to his kid, you know, through the you know through the the ether dimension, through the ether realms. And they sort of tr- did a tribute to that I'll in this one. Okay. They and that was hilarious. And it was pretty much superheroes in ordinary situations. It, it was written a lot like a manga in kind of ways, hmm. because. Um, with our superhero comics, we take ordinary people and put them in extraordinary situations. With the manga, they pick, they take extraordinary people and put them in ordinary situations. And that's what this was. This was sort of that. And I love that. And anything else you got to say before I wrap it up on Bob and we jump to Helen? No, just I, I agree with the sentiment. You know, I thought his role, I think his role was, you know, very well done. He had a good arc, you know, with the struggling dad and... And I, I just love uh, Frozone. When he calls Frozone over and Frozone sees, you know, what the kid can to do and he's just totally horrified and, <laughs> you know, that's just plain freaky. Yeah. Yeah. Frozone, as far as a uh, uh, friend of the family and stuff, I like him. I really like what they do with him. And especially the scene where the um, the the compromised supers show up at the house and mm. he says, well, Bob called me over because it's not safe. And he looks at them, and they're just, and and that th- that brings me into another thing that I noticed that I highlighted in my notes was uh, Helen doing the working mom thing. All of her action scenes were extremely tense. Did you notice that? Hmm. Not really. Well, there was like all of her action scenes. Every this was more of like a, I guess, a more. It was more suspenseful, more tense, more like, I guess, atmospheric tension, as opposed to, you know, with Mr. Incredible, when he's doing his action scenes in the first, it's just pam, zow, boom. And this one, they work to make the, the scene as tense as possible when she's chasing down the train, when she's, um, when she's going into, uh, the villain's lair for the first mm-hmm. time. You know, it's extremely tense. They have you on the edge of your seat the entire time. Right, as she's sneaking through yeah. the, the lair and looking and, at things. Yeah, and I, I love that. they. Well, it, it kind of reflects also, you know, her set of powers versus, you know, Mr. Incredible's. Because mm-hmm. she doesn't have, you know, super strength mm-hmm. and all that, whatever. So she has to think more strategically. Yes. You know, as opposed to, you know, Hulk smash puny human. Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. So, so I can see that. Yeah. So it's it's a different set of action scenes, and yeah, different vibe. Yeah, and they it. do they they work to make the scenes tense as possible, and I love that. That was that that probably that's probably what I enjoyed more was the tense action scenes as Helen was the center of the story, mm-hmm. and also remember there was a scene where she was coming in and the little girl had the sign and she said, "What's your What does your sign say?" And it says, "Screen slaver is still out there." That was creepy as hell. Yeah, I, I kind of yeah, that, raised that, an eyebrow at that one. Too. Yeah, that made my like, head turn. I was like, what? Oh, She's in on it. She's the villain. <laughs> She's trying to suck their brains. That was, you know, it's like this. That's disconcerting, of, yeah. Just. Yeah, that, it, it, felt, it felt out of place, but it, the delivery was so well, you didn't see it coming. And that was incredible. That's what I liked. A lot of the stuff you didn't see coming. 
and I, I really loved, uh, yeah, I loved Helen. I mean, I, I wanted to see her. I like, well, I, in a way, this was her movie. Yeah. Cause the first one was about, you know, Bob it was about Mr. Incredible. And then this one, you know, more so, you know, this, this like I said, this was her movie, mm-hmm. you know, because like I said, her focus is, you know, doing her thing to, you know, support family and get the supers back. And yeah, I, I'll, I'll agree. Yeah. I, I, I liked her too. From what we saw in the previews, I was kind of a bit antsy about it. I thought it was going to be, you know, all, like I said before, super pandering magic, you know, feminazi hour, but I didn't, that's not what they delivered. They delivered a good, compelling story of you know of a hero struggling against a new type of threat mm-hmm. and with the introduction of the other supers into the plot complicated things better than i thought that it would and that was refreshing avoid was adorable she, oh. she was adorable she's totally yeah. fangirling out when she first meets mr incredible mrs incredible rather yeah that's right they meet last year. why do i keep calling her mrs incredible Elastigirl. Yeah, yeah. When eventually Winston introduces all of the characters to new supers that they that that are starting to come out of the light and go to them to see what they can do to be you know part of this new movement that's gaining momentum. Helen, of course, meets Vortex, and Vortex. I've I've noticed this happening a lot in in superhero stuff. Is the now you're thinking with portals superpower? And I, I can understand that with the popularity of the Portal video game. Portals has become the new bullet time of the 90s. Hmm, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I can't think of where else I've seen that it's popped up. But. Well, it, it's popped up in this. It's popped up in the X-Men films. It's oh, okay. popped up in the uh, um, the all Marvel the, movies. All which, the other ones that you've seen that I yeah, haven't. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Yeah, so they're, they're doing that a lot in here. Well, it's Marvel ripping stuff off. Yeah. That's what they do. Exactly. They they take it and they make it better. <laughs> Dark side with a Ma- Michael Jackson glove. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, Vortex, her character was great. I loved her interaction. Her The fight scenes between her and Violet. Yeah, that like, was pretty crazy. Yeah, I didn't. Again, that's one of those like I... I really didn't see that coming because Vortex found a way to get under Violet's shield. Void. To get, or Void. <laughs> void. Why did I put Vortex? I don't know. Okay. Because you're a writer and you're, or you're, you're an artist and you're not so good at the word. Things. Void, not Vortex. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She got through. Yeah. She got through the shields and she found a way to, to, you know, to counter, um, Violet, and mm-hmm. that was that was pretty cool. Actually, in general, I think all the action scenes were pretty darn good. Yeah, they and, were good. And to me, that's what made this movie a lot better because you got to see, you know, more from the first. You got to see more heroes, yes. and different kinds of heroes like Screech yeah. and oh Reflux my god, and, Screech. Yeah, the thing where he just, he just was it? I think Dash, you know. Does his run around him really fast thing, and he like spins, spin, you know, he does the owl thing. He like spins his head around multiple times. Uh, that was just freaky. Yeah, there was this one part where um, I, don't, I think Dash like like was trying to sneak behind him or something, or they, there was some action sequence where he slowly turned his head around, and it looked so creepy. It looked like unreally creepy because before when we meet Screech, he's this you know lovey dovey hot dainty little man. And then when he's when he, I think it's uh, when they show up to the house. Yeah, that's when they show up to the house. He he twists his head around and it's just so. Yeah, because he does it slowly. It is so creepy. It's uh, like it's, the little girl with the sign. It's, it's you, the owl thing. It's what they do. You don't expect it. I mean, you yeah, know, and, he, and, they're, and they're and he's wearing the glasses, you know, the goggles, the hypno goggles, whatever you want to call them. So at that point, you know that something ain't right. Yeah, which probably you know amplifies it. Yeah, and and it's just and that, that that's kind of that oh crap moment. Yeah, it's well executed. It is so well executed. I mean, so much of this movie is so well thought out. You know, I mean, I just can't wait to get it as soon as it hits digital. I'm not going to even wait. You know, just oh, it's digital. Boom. Shut up and take it. my money. Yeah, shut up and take my money because I got to admit, The Incredibles, the first movie, was the only movie that I actually regretted pirating. <laughs> I actually regretted pirating because it was so good. Mm-hmm. You know, could you, this was like during the the early two thousands, 
That was 14 years yeah. ago. <laughs> yeah, 14 years ago. You just go to the Torrent site, you download it. It's going to have Russian subtitles or whatever. <laughs> and then you just watch the movie. And that movie was so good, I had to buy a legitimate copy, you know, and, and watch it over and over and over and over again. And with this one, I cannot wait until this comes to to release for home theater so I can watch it over and over and over and over and over again. Well, not only that, but certainly with the first video release of the first movie, the the second disc had just all this cool stuff about you know the world and the other heroes. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you ever gone through the second disc on, in the special edition, but they have like the the NSA files, mm-hmm. like on all the superheroes and the teams, you know, because yeah, have, you yeah, know, in, in the world. And that's what that's what kind of drove me nuts about them just dropping it off, yeah. you know, so long ago. It's like they they did all this world building, mm-hmm. you know, and made this cool you know world of supers, and it was just so neat. And then it's like, oh, oh no, okay, we're done, no more. Let's make you know cars yeah. too, and finding mm-hmm. Dory. And it's like, yeah, oh. we have cars and we have fish and fenders, fish and fenders. We go. have fish and fenders to create. And uh-huh. here's my little beef. With the okay. with the delay, <laughs> you know, because they they basically did a mea culpa at the beginning where they said, "Okay, we're very sorry. It's been fourteen minute, you know years since the last one, but you know, oh well, movies take a long time to make." It's like, no, you were making other movies instead of this one. I mean, I, I just yeah. it fell a little flat to me, especially yeah. especially considering that Bud Lucky, the original voice of Decker and uh, uh, one of the first animators hired at Pixar. Passed away in February yeah. before the movie came out. They dedicated the movie to him. That's why you have a different person voicing uh, yeah, Decker, Decker. Decker yeah. in the in the sequel. So, like I said, that that I think I think if that hadn't happened, if he hadn't passed, you know, before the movie was done, I think that would have not bothered me as much. You know, because he didn't. You know, he didn't live to see, or maybe he did. I don't know how things work there, but you know that that kind of. Eh. Sucked a little bit of the wind of the, oh, we're so sorry it's been 14 years. Yeah, we had to wait. Yeah, we didn't want to wait until everybody was dead. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. Yeah, because you look at Craig T. Nelson and Samuel Jackson. Oh, my God. They, they ain't getting any younger, just <laughs> yeah. saying. Oh, my God, Craig T. Nelson. He just, uh yeah, somebody, someone, somebody need to help him stand up because he was just, he was ready to fall over. And and Helen Hunt, yeah, she looked good, but, you know, it's it's... Well, after being blown up in Batman Superman, yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, she's got that, that, that's that, that DC movie. I don't know. That lovely that. southern draw that, you know, as she gets older, the draw gets wider and, <laughs> and her voice starts to go. But, anyways, she, yeah, I, I loved her as, as Helen. I loved Helen's voice. I loved Helen's everything, of course. Good night, everybody. And, and, and this movie gave me exactly what I wanted and more. And I cannot wait for more. And I hope that yeah, I hope, we, I hope we get more in some, yeah, in some way. Something. Uh, uh, as, as I mentioned the first time around, I would be happy just with a show, you know, set in the glory days. Yeah. Because, um, like I said, you had all these heroes that yeah, you know, you sadly were, this, were killed off by syndrome. Yeah, all this potential and all this content that's just waiting to happen. It just needs to be executed. Um, with the Big Hero Six, they released like a mini series of of. Yeah, cartoon. Cartoons. And I'm thinking they could do that with this too. They could do that with this. They could do that with Zootopia as well. I mean, because I don't yep. know. I don't know if Zootopia has a sequel or if they finally I, I've, not the heard, I've not heard anything. I've, so. I've not heard any rumblings. Because you know, as soon as our people, you know, catch wind of it, it's going to be all over the it's yeah, all over Twitter. It's going to be all over the place. You know, once, once the furries catch wind of it, you know, game over. Yeah. Once they release. You know, a teaser. All it takes is a teaser, and the world's on fire. Yeah, one of my favorite thing, scenes in uh, Incredibles 2 was when uh, Mr. Incredible in the ship is fighting the uh, the Crusher. Oh, yeah. And, you know, he's trying to get into the engine room, and the Crusher, like, you know, squishes all the pipes yes. so that he can't get to yeah. it. You know, and, and Incredible ultimately, you know, gets the glasses off of him and unhypnotizes him. And, you know, he asks him, so, hey, can, can you undo this? It's like... What do you mean, you know, uncrush? No one asks for uncrush. Yeah, that, yeah. that was just hilarious. And then as he, you know, he's like, oh, never mind. He runs off. He's like, has anybody asked you to unpunch something? 
<laughs> that was, yeah, that was it, hilarious. I loved how the the concept of uncrushing something is completely alien. To yeah, him. just a look in his face is like, <laughs> what, what 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 are you talking about? What is this? You know, what, what, what language are you speaking? I, I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, the the new folly of heroes. In addition to void, they were pretty good. And, yeah, and Crusher, Electrics, which they didn't do a whole lot with, yeah. but you know he's around. Uh, Reflux, Screech, uh, Void. Oh, and this is, you're going to love this. This was interesting. Uh, Brick. Brick. Yeah, the, the big guy who kind of gave Mr. Incredible a run for his money yeah. right before he got unhypnotized. Yeah, he was cool. I liked him. Well, this is something interesting that I, I saw in the, uh, the Milestone Media Facebook group was, I can kind of see why somebody went there, but at the same time, I was kind of like, eh. They, they essentially said that uh, Brick was a ripoff of the uh, Milestone hero that I think may have also been named brick uh, i i forget I, I saw it somewhere you know and they kind of did the side by side thing and it's like i get it but at the same time uh, you're stretching a little bit too hard I, I don't know if you know even know what character i'm talking about yeah probably not it's just all if you have one big strong guy they're pretty much all the same yeah more or less yeah along with the the stretchy people and that oh that reminds me they pretty much lifted a scene from one of the early Fantastic Four movies. Evelyn kept Helen in the freezer or in that ice that cold room, the super cold, yeah, and used the super cold to nullify her stretch powers. I guess that that must be a universal because I don't read a lot of of Elastalad or Plastic Man, so I don't know what nullifies stretchy powers. But apparently, extreme cold is what you use to keep stuff from stretching. That makes sense. And and that was pretty neat how and I loved I loved Evelyn's monologue. It was the best. And you know, Helen trying to match wits against her, going up against her and, and as far as motivated heroes or motivated villains, I should say, Evelyn had she had proper motivation. She had that proper, you know, I I have an axe to grind. I blame you. I have a legit reason for blaming you and your people. I'm going to erase you and I'm going to use you to do it. And I love it when she hypnotized Helen and she had her, you know, stab her and say, we have become bitter from, from helping you and taking out all your trash and doing everything for you. Yeah. The delivery on that was just hilarious because it kind of did the whole hypno talking without inflection. And, you know, we are bitter and we, you know, just the way they, the way they talked was kind of like that classic 1950s ish. I am hypnotized. So I will speak in this manner. Yeah. You know, sort of a thing. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> yeah, I loved that part. And I loved when uh, Helen and Evelyn were fighting in the plane. And, you know, Helen's a pilot, so she kind of she kind of knows where she's going type of thing. And, and they were, like, doing all that elevation play. And it was a good fight. It was a good matchup. When you have, you know, the old saying, a hero is only as strong as their villain. Mm-hmm. Well, Evelyn was a very strong villain. She she was motivated, rightfully so. She had the means to do it. She had the cunning to do it. And she was a force to be reckoned with. You know. And she would have gotten away with it if it weren't for those meddling kids. <laughs> exactly. She she wouldn't have gotten away with it. Just saying. Exactly. Yeah, the Incredit card thing was just was, yeah. was awesome. Yeah, or Incredible. My, my, my bad. Yeah. I think it was in the Incredit card. Was it the Incredit card? I think it was Incredible. I'm pretty sure it was the Incredit card. Appreciate you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> okay, so part three of Chris is wrong. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to skip that. The, um, but yeah, I I guess we'll just we'll go ahead and wrap it here. Final thoughts. Uh, I dug the movie, uh, loved it. I'm inclined to agree with the sentiment that it was probably better than the first one. You know, because once again, you know, we've we got our setup, we got our origin, we know you know who the players are, the main yes. players. Let's jump in and. And just pick up, literally pick up from where we left off. And yeah, I too will. Man, I don't know. It's gonna it's gonna be hard to resist not getting it on digital myself because they have that. It's usually what a one or two week lead time between the two. Yeah, exactly. Because I, I I did that with a couple movies. I love it. But yeah, and my, and my final thoughts is I you know I'm definitely gonna catch this a few more times in theaters. As soon as it goes to the dollars, I'm definitely gonna be going. It's just, you know, this is just going to get this over and over and over again. So I want to say thank you, Ed, for coming in, sitting in, and having this conversation with me as we discuss Incredibles 2. Oh, and thanks for having me. And according to Wikipedia, it is Incredibles. So (laughs) you are wrong. 
again. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. Thanks, kids. Tell people where they can find you. Uh, my website is eduardosolis.com. So check out my stories and podcasts and all that good stuff there. And uh, thanks for having me, Chris. It's been fun as always. Write to the show at conspiretheory at outlook.com. You can also find me on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Find me at Twitter at PsychoChris, as well as the show Twitter at conspiretheory. Also, look for me on Gab, and you can find my art on DeviantArt, Fur Affinity, and Tumblr. Contact information in the show notes. See you later.